Welcome to Comic Virgin, the podcast that exposes a first-timer to the greatest comic stories ever printed on the formula page. From back alley vigilantes to space-faring demigods, none of their fingers in every tight little nook and cranny pop culture has to offer. And now, the hosts of Comic Virgin, Jason Stevens and Delaney Bowers. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comic Virgin Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. And it's me, Big D. And the D stands for Director of the Serial Killing Task Force. Ooh, I thought you were just going to say dead and take the easy way out. I could have. Mm, well. But I'm not an easy gal. That's right. In fact, she is a virgin. I'm a virgin. The comic virgin. Titty virgin. <laughs> like titular line virgin. Oh no, this is already going down. It's already going bad. For those of you <laughs> tuning in for your very first time, you're like, I'm going to turn this off. Please don't, because this is the podcast where each episode we give Delaney Bowers, who is not a longtime comic reader, some type of awesome classic story, something new, something fun, something comic related she has never read. And then we discuss it ad nauseum. So if you are a fan of comics, you're going to love this podcast. And if you are a fan of Aftershocks, Maniac of New York, you are going to love this episode. You have to say the full name of it, though. Maniac of New York, The Death Train. Hell yeah. I, <laughs> I put up I love you signs instead of horns, but that's okay. It's so close. <laughs> Hulk Hogan does that all the time. He puts up I love you signs? Uh-huh, because he loves people. So does Dog the Bounty Hunter. As, again, this is at least the third or fourth episode, we've mentioned Dog the Bounty Hunter, who should be starring with Zach Baggins in Dog the Demon Hunter. You, I'm going to keep saying it until it's on A&E. Until it happens. And yes. then Discovery Plus, new We're episodes. We're suing ya. <laughs> Come out every Sunday, baby. <laughs> Oh, Maniac of New York, The Death Train, the very first miniseries in the Maniac of New York story. They're currently on their second one right now in single issues. Uh, it is from Aftershock Comics. The first five-issue miniseries came out in 2021, so not that long ago. It was like in November of yeah, 2022. fairly like, yeah. new comic we're doing here. And uh, Elliot Kalen is the writer. Andrea Moody is the artist, and Taylor Esposito doing the letters. Ooh, telling the story of Maniac Harry. I think sometimes you just need uh, like a classic slasher to cleanse the palate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And is my palate cleansed? Yes, it has been. Yes. Like a little too much. With like buckets of blood. <laughs> did you ever get your mouth washed out with soap when you were younger? Yes. Me too. Did you do bar or the hand pump? Bar. We we didn't have fancy hand pump at my oh, house. Oh, no. It was like soft soap directly onto the oh, tongue. Oof. Pumped onto the yeah, tongue. Yeah, no, no. We had, a, I think it was the green bar, which means it was... Mm, like I ivory? Ivory or something. Or yeah. Irish spring. Irish spring, yes. There we go. Yes. Yeah. I think ivory was blue or white or another color <laughs> in the spectrum of color. Uh, green I, bar soap in the mouth. Not great. Mm -mm. And I think it was because I said, damn, I think. Yeah. One time I convinced myself that like drinking milk afterwards would help. Mm -hmm. And it was, it didn't. Did I can tell you right like now. Soapy milk. It did taste like soapy milk. John <laughs> Bowers mm. did not care. Tasty. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody listening that's like, you know, soapy milk, not the worst I've had. Yeah, I'm going to give it a little try. Give it a little try. Uh, so yeah, uh, the base of this story is that there is a maniac, his name is Harry, and he has a really wicked machete that he uses to hack and slash random citizens, um, like an act of nature, and we're going to talk all about it, but first I want to find out from Delaney, your initial reactions. Yeah, I think I'm going to add like a little bit of nuance to this conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's really easy to just go in dry. Oh, I'm sad that I said that, but just like mm -hmm. really, it's too late now. Really go through it very quickly. But um, at least in the version that we have, so Volume One, um, Kaylin talks about how the scariest moment in any horror film is when the killer walks into the room. 
and the victim knows that there's absolutely nothing that they can do to save themselves. Like, they aren't getting away, their death is certain, and so Kalen wanted to transfer that to a much larger scale, and he asks, wouldn't it be scarier if an entire city was hanging in that moment? Mm-hmm. And so, I j- like, there's more to it, I think, than just, like, hack em slash them, even mm-hmm. though that's, like, the really fun part of this series. But it's just, like, n- no matter how many precautions are taken, like, curfews or locked doors or security systems, like, nothing can completely guarantee your safety. And I think that provides you with a certain amount of wiggle room, Mm -hmm. uh, like, to explore themes that may otherwise be too uncomfortable to confront. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's what's going on in this series. Unless you're in the Museum of Natural History and then you're safe as houses. Yeah, if you get to that. that. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, (laughs) a little bit further down the road. But, yeah, uh, another thing, you know, for my initial reaction was just, like, Yes, we've seen a psycho killer before. Mm -hmm. This isn't like a reinvention of the wheel. And there are classic horror tropes throughout this entire series. But I think it also manages to walk the fine line between like the mundanity of work where you have like all of this red tape and infighting and their like personal motivations for why you're doing your job with just like brutal scenes of violence and gore. Mm -hmm. And I think we get to the scares like very early on like oh, yeah. first page, page. page yeah it's a splash <laughs> page of, of splashes of blood yes. and i think like the pacing and the tone of the story just helped to move it right along mm-hmm. so it's not like a head scratcher i don't think you're sitting here sort of like pondering the existence of anything Mm-mm. um but i think there are some like themes that kaylin touches on that still feel like very contemporary and worthy of being addressed oh yeah I and mean, i and just, i'll just touch think, on just, those two yeah, things too like just like <laughs> Just like government bodies, mm-hmm. how much they're willing to uh, have their people as collateral damage right. to save face. There's just a lot of that going on. And some of that reminded me of uh, somewhat the original Ghostbusters movie when the Ghostbusters are brought into the mayor's office. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're get, trying to get shut down by the EPA and they're just like, we're trying to fight these fucking ghosts. Mm-hmm. And you're just caught, you know, and it's right. it's a lot of that. So Yeah, I like... They, it does a great job, I think, at, like, highlighting the inefficiency of larger law enforcement mm-hmm. agencies. And, like, there's this creep of resignation or acceptance that come al- like it comes along with not having solved a case very quickly. Like, oh, it's been, you know, five years at this point and they still haven't caught them. Like, what's the point of even, like, continuing to put your best men on the front lines to figure this out? Yeah. But, like, I love that the two protagonists are women who simultaneously give, like, zero fucks about anything mm-hmm. and also care a whole hell of a lot. And I, like, I think that's something that we haven't necessarily seen before, mm-hmm. but I am reminded of um, Erica Slaughter and Something is Killing the Children, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, That, like, this attitude of, like, I'm not going to let anything get in my way. I have a purpose. I'm going to get shit done. But with the reason of she wants to save people. Yes. Yeah. Whether she admits it or not, like she wants to make sure people are safe. Yes. And I mean the same, and it, it takes a little bit of prodding, but we get the same sort of um, attitude from the two women yeah, yeah. in this story yeah. as well. Gina and Zelda both show a lot of heroism in different parts of this. You know, some of it is just confronting your superiors right yeah also there's like a mystery that hasn't been resolved by the end of issue five i thought this was just like a one and done Mm -hmm. you know type of miniseries and i was like oh god like none of the things that i was expecting to be (laughs) answered have been answered and so i was like it's it's very much like a horror movie yeah there's like a cliffhanger and so i guess if i were to continue reading on in this series i'd be interested to see like how this world has continued to be built upon or expanded or like who they bring in or how that's filtered through. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. Initial reactions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to get into things that we're going to talk about each issue individually. There are five issues in this series. We'll keep uh, the synopsis short and then we'll uh, give some rundown of stuff that we liked or didn't like, or uh, just general thoughts we have about each issue as we go. 
So, if you've not read Maniac of New York, we will be spoiling the shit out of this, so you might as well turn this podcast off, go get the book from Aftershock, and give it a read. Honestly, if you haven't, you should be doing that. However, if you have, you've got it in your hand, you've got it tucked, tucked into the belt of your pants as you're, as you're sneaking it into the prison, that's completely fine. Listen to the show. Alright, issue one. Issue one is Heads in the Sand. Heads in the Sand, which seems to be where a lot of these people do have their heads when it comes to Maniac Harry. Very, like, buried very deep. All right, so we kick things off. Uh, It's a throwback to New Year's Eve in Times Square, the 2015 becoming 2016. Oh, how glorious it is. And uh, it's just a bunch of blood. There's corpses mangled everywhere. Harry is standing above them. Um, I think he has his... uh, Yeah, he's got his, his machete, which has, like, these extra, like, triangle-shaped blades yeah, sticking off like, the end Yeah, I was like, they're not notches. No, it's just, it's just for hacking. Like, it's just extra <laughs> hacking power he has. Um, and he is wearing a mask, very much like a hockey mask. It's not actually mm-hmm. a hockey mask, but close, you know. Um, he's got, like, a parka zipped up. He's got what might be plaid pants on. I think they're just jeans. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like... A few different panels throughout the book, they do have sort of a checkered pattern to if them. If you want to think that he's wearing plaid pants, I'm not going to stop you. If if uh, Maniac Harry is wearing golf pants, it somehow just makes his mystique more mysterious. I do like the ring of, like, fur collar. That oh, has, yeah. Like, the From, like, the park. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you've got, I mean, people are just dead everywhere, right there in Times Square, and it's just it's just full on carnage, and it's flashing back. And basically, it's it's a, it's a throwback. Um, they the people in the news let you know that Harry it's his first strike that they're aware of. He killed seventy nine people, including six police officers that tried to stop him. Which, when you wonder killing 79 people, only six of them were cops. Why weren't all the cops coming there? Who knows? That's Somebody else's problem, I guess. Um, and then they talk about how in... Because um, I'm guessing this book takes place in 2021 when it, as it was released. Uh, because they do talk about that in 2020. Um, so there was like a four-year difference between his like times that this maniac has shown up. They did not catch him. They did not stop him. He was not incarcerated. He killed four NYU students uh, in Washington Square Park in 2020. Um and now the news has a railroad and maniac report. So when they're talking about, like, oh, here's a traffic jam. Oh, the trains are running late. Oh, maniac Harry might have been seen in the Bowery. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, like... He's just, like, seamlessly integrated into their everyday life. He's just something they're yeah. dealing with now at this yeah. point. And they're just... what well, like traffic delays. It's just something people don't want to deal with. He's just like an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. And he just happens to be a guy with a, a mask and a, and a knife. I don't... I, people are crazy. But as we've seen with uh, with pandemics and things, people just get over stuff really quickly. Mm-hmm. They just get past it. Um, also, it's interesting to note in this, it's just a throwaway, but basically that there's a, a Senator McCafferty uh, from Kentucky, uh, this fictional senator, who... Uh, when the four girls were killed in Washington Square Park, asked, well, why were those girls out so late? What were they doing? McCafferty or McConnell? Exactly. Exactly. Even in a fictional universe, Kentucky's representatives, where we're at. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. we we can totally speak on it. uh, Are pieces of shit. I'm not going to disagree with you there. (laughs) Um, And so then we go from that report. So you basically get a feel of the world. You get the feel of New York City that is constantly dealing with this. They're still dealing with the maniac. They don't know when he's going to strike. It's a constant worry. And then it goes into uh, the mayor's office. And we get to meet the new director of the maniac task force, Gina Green. It's not Big D. It's Gina Green. Gina Green. Fine. Gina Green. Uh, She gets shown to her office, which uh, consists of nothing. Uh, she gets introduced to the rest of her task force, which consists of nobody, and there's no funding, and nobody gives a shit about catching this guy. It's just not on their deal, because they're really wrapped up in this automated subway train. It's just like the mayor's big push. He's got an automated subway train, no driver. It's always going to be on time. It's never, you know, no late, all the stops, all the time. It's going to make everybody's life easy, and they're getting ready for the first automated subway train launch. 
And um, then we meet uh, Detective Zelda Pettibone, who is the other um, person that we deal with in this book, basically. Yeah. I don't... I'm not crazy about their names. <laughs> yeah. Gina Green and Zelda Pettibone. Like, it's a little bit mm-hmm. too far-fetched for me. Saying them, it just sounds like you would never say those names for real. <laughs> they're they're not real names. Yeah. But it's okay. Or they are. Or, <laughs> like, we're, like, we're sorry. This is my aunt, <laughs> Zelda Pettibone. Zelda Pettibone. <sighs> she's a social pariah at this point. Yeah, she's a snitch. She's a what snitch she's labeled as. with a heart of gold. Mm. Maybe an alcohol problem, but she's very no nonsense. She stays in her lane with her head down. I think she just wants to get the job done, and she wants to get it done right. Yes, I think you're correct. You think I'm correct? <laughs> no, you are correct. Bitch, I made so many <laughs> notes. <laughs> Don't thumb through it right now. <laughs> no, no, I was just I was just making sure that I wasn't skipping anything on, on talking about the rest yeah. of this first thing. Nope. Um, before I get to my next point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so Gina meets Zelda uh, because she has been working the cases uh, with Harry and getting no help. Basically, she's been tasked with doing this because none of her fellow officers want her around, so they've given her just an unsolvable case just to keep her busy. So she just goes and gets drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. And also, like, punches a bunch of her co-workers. Yes, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's some anger management there that needs to be addressed. So they made up, and Gina's like, look, you know, I want to make this happen. She has her own reason. She's tacked somebody's face up on the wall. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing. And uh, so, you know, you're getting their backstory. It's going good. And then you get to see the interior of a subway train. I love it. And, uh, you know, you get introduced to uh, Gabriella, mm-hmm. who, you know, they talk about her in the issue they're showing other people around her people are very rude on the subway yeah she's very rude i very mean rude. she's a writer on this newly automated subway train yeah the fact that it's the first one you would think it would just be like full of the like the city officials riding it for the first time nope. no way random people who are not even interested in the <laughs> slightest that it's automated they don't give a shit mm-hmm. but you know what they do give a shit about is whenever the first time the doors open there's maniac harry uh, with a security officer with his arm cut off, and he's just standing over him, and then he steps into the subway car, and the doors automatically close, and it immediately takes off on its own because there's no driver. I love... Okay, I can see what you're talking about. There's, like, a hint of plaid, a hint of check there's to these some, pants. There's some type of texture, right? I see it. I see what's going on, but... He might have pajama pants on. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, he's covered in blood, yes, standing outside of these train doors. He has a catchphrase, maybe. He says it, I don't know if it's just like an audible, just like, her, right? Yeah, that's what like I'm thinking. Well, it's, <laughs> there's, there's like the herm, which uh, Rorschach does in Watchmen. Batman did in Batman Damned as kind of a throwback to him. Oh, hmm This is sort of that. Later in the issues, you find out that, he might just be trying to say his name his a thousand name. times. I think, yeah, I think that's I what don't we're, know. we're going with. He's not the smartest of men. No way. But he's very tough. He's very tough. So the last page of issue one, you get this, you get three panels. You get a close-up shot of Harry's mask, his eyes beneath the mask. You get, like, the obviously, like, finger-painted red streaks on there. You get Gabriella and everybody else just wide-eyed mm-hmm. looking. And then you get a shot of the train just pulling out of the station. Right. Done and done. Yeah, I think if we go back to the very start of um, issue number one, Mm -hmm. like at the um, Times Square New Year's Eve event, I think the thought of being in a giant crowd, unable to run away as like a masked murderer slices and dices everyone around you is terrifying. Yes, being in, in a cr- giant crowd, crowd right now is yes. terrifying. In and general. so, like going back to his introduction, Kalen talks about how when he first started writing Maniac, like he wanted to address at least satirically America's issue with gun violence. And so, like this opening scene, 
is so reminiscent of like mass shootings that have taken place in like schools and grocery stores and movie theaters and outdoor mm-hmm. concert venues like so many people crammed into such a small space and yes. like that feeling of helplessness and we we get to that later on the newly automated train as well like there's just nowhere to escape to surrounded by people yeah. strangers that you don't know and you're all trying to like fight for well, your life and also just recently as of this recording there was a shooting on a subway train like oh. several people were killed like right you know and, and it's yeah <laughs> and so i think after that you know in the first um you know few pages after we see what happens on new year's eve like we're also forced to come to terms um, with the ways like in which we grieve events like this when they happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was like such a smart spread where we see like candlelight vigils and uh, political gaffes like we talked about with like the senator from Kentucky. And there are these like empty promises and short-lived conversations about reform. And yet people still have to continue with their daily routines Mm -hmm. and i think it's there's like this temptation to become numb because like what difference can one fucking person make and then you're like oh maniac carries just one person he's just like wreaking a shit ton of havoc yeah yeah and also (laughs) and then and of course you can think the people in the city are like he's also just one person what are the odds he will be on my street when i go to the bank yeah and i think it's so funny because like the insistence on this automated train is perfect because it's like such a pet project that turns into a major tool of devastation, mm-hmm. but at least it's a distraction. So I don't know. It's just like <laughs> there are ways to look at it where like you can really sort of like pinpoint where the shortcomings are coming from. And it's mostly the people in positions of power. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're generally the ones in this book that are not getting things done. Right. Uh, yeah. There are, it says on, in the, in the book that, you know, there are uh, on that last page of issue one. Um, I did like, I did like that uh, deal. There are 221 people on this train. Most won't make it home. Tonight. I know it was. And I think at the beginning, I know you're going to give a brief synopsis of issue number two, small prices, mm-hmm. but how that issue opens is just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'll let you, I mean, I'll let you go into that if you want. To. Yeah. So yeah, issue two is, uh, is small prices and it opens with like a nine panel page. Um, each of these people, you know, they are, they're telling you their name, what they're doing on the train. They're doing everything from uh, one guy's going to tell tell someone that he loved them. He said going to tell Sean he loved him. Yeah. And, like, someone just found out that he's going to college and one woman always dreamed of seeing New York City. And it's like you see these victims' faces right mm-hmm. before they're murdered. And, and, and the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, last, the last of the nine panels is Harry's face. And... Like the the uh, the previous, they have a box that says "this is" and says their name, mm-hmm. and then tells what they were doing. Yeah, his says, "This is their death." Some call him Harry. I know it's like, damn, they didn't have to go <laughs> this hard with it. But I think like these panels well. are. <laughs> I know they continue to go hard, but like I think that's the it's, thing. It's like, a hard book. It it's very humanizing in mm-hmm. this, you know, and just like this one page, which I think makes the next few scenes that much worse like these are yeah. just like everyday people well, well also them them introducing them it's mm-hmm. like oh they're saying in, in, in regular comic format the fact that they're giving their names it's like oh we're probably going to be following these people mm-hmm. no no they're all dead immediately yeah. immediately uh, you turn the page it's a double page spread on the train with one swing harry hacks two people's heads <laughs> off and everyone else is running and screaming um, now, then they introduce Gabriella Acosta. Yeah, so she's back yeah. again because she was on the train in issue one. And it says she's the only one here with any chance of surviving this day. So you know right away she is legitimately the character on this train that you should be watching for. Right. And she is running away, which is the only way to survive Harry. She's running through people, and he is right behind her just hacking and slashing. I also think the coloring is always really smart throughout uh, this entire series. You have these really sort of like muted blues and sort of like weird creams and browns. 
And then what always sticks out is Harry's mask and mm-hmm. all of the blood. Like, yeah. it's like your eye is immediately drawn. Yeah, the red is that. pretty much saved solely for him mm-hmm. in all of that, which is such, and it's such a harsher tone of color than any of the others. Right. Um, so she's running basically to the back of the train as far as she can, and uh, she looks back through the doors, and she still sees his silhouette coming, so it's still going. And then we cut away, and we cut away to... Um, a house, a very well protected house, full mm-hmm. of security guards. You're like, oh, what the fuck is this? And um, Gail and Zelda uh, head to see Gardner Burnbaum, who is the writer of the uh, Maniac Harry book. And so um, they're talking to him, and of course he's basically in a place that they've called kind of like the safe zone. There's an area on the map where, like, there's been no sightings of Harry. There's been no death from him. Like, for some reason, there's an area of New York City where he's not involved. And this guy lives in one of those houses because he's researched this thing so much, he knows that he's probably safe there. He's got tons of security guards. And, um, you know, he's kind of a dickhead. But he lets them know that he did keep something out of the book because he's getting ready for the second book. And that is that Harry is has a weakness to fire. Yeah. And I so it's the Harry free zone, right? Between 81st Street and I think Central Park West. And so, like you said, this author has figured that out. I mean, he's made millions at this point off of his, like, best-selling book oh, about yeah. the New Year's Eve yeah. massacre. But there's this one sort of um, point that he makes. And he says, Harry's clearly human. Hell, he wears boots and owns an axe, but he doesn't seem to eat or sleep. Pain doesn't faze him. Mm-hmm. Except fire. fire. Right, yeah. And yeah. so a tenement building went up in flames. Uh, witnesses reported that they saw Harry was screaming in pain. However, the city let him get away. He escaped. Yeah, and they worked to cover it up, right? So, like, yeah. this sort of sneaky little author always has something up his sleeve. Yeah, he's probably paid off tons of police and firemen and stuff to get this info anytime right. that anything bops. And yeah, it's very much that. I mean, and, and Harry obviously has that Jason Voorhees aesthetic. He's, I mean, the the easiest way to put him is that the fact he's got a mask and a machete top weapon mm-hmm. doesn't really talk and is just killing machine. Right. You know, and it's very much that. It's like it's it's almost like these real world people are dealing with a horror movie character. Mm-hmm. You know, and um. So after they talk to him, they figure out that little tidbit about the fire, which, of course, is going to come back later, obviously. Um, the mayor uh, insists on keeping that train running. He has to. He it's has like his to. legacy. It can't yeah. fail on its he even first argues, day. He even argues, hey, we've got Maniac Harry trapped. Right. He's like, all of New York will consider these people dead anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... He knows that his train is going to become a murder bullet. And again, he assumes that everyone on the train is already dead. So he doesn't um, arrange an evacuation at the next stop. He clearly could. He's it's within his power to do so, Mm -hmm. but it's a small price to pay to keep the city safe. So he just throws up his hands, you know, case or he could be planning, even if he was like, well, all these people are going to die. Why wouldn't you be planning like, well, let's get it stopped at this station and we're going to f- surround it with SWAT members and we're just going to empty every bullet we have into it. Like, he's making, he's just, we're just going to run the train. I Fuck did it. see when I was um, <laughs> <laughs> looking up some reviews uh-huh. uh, that th- quite a few people were like, oh, there's a lot of like hand waving away sort of like, common sense yeah. in a lot of these things you know it's just like don't think about it too hard the writers just <laughs> chose to like not engage with things that you know well, could that's, that's have happened if this were a horror movie this is what you would get yes but they're setting this up with more realistic characterizations of people mm-hmm. so then it makes it harder to to like buy, gloss yes. over mm-hmm. yes. buy into but everything that happens but whenever you go past the mayor the next page is just a shot of a subway car, and this guy, you can see his brains. You forget about it real fast. Yeah. So, You're like, what? My- <laughs> okay. And so, uh, yeah, so you go back to the subway car. So that's the thing. In the mayor's office, you got people just 
given their opinions while Gabriella is in the dirt dealing with this. She's in the subway car. She's crawling across the ground. She's trying to hide. She sees two kids under a um, a bench. She gets under there. Harry walks past. Um, as he continues just his gore spree of just slashing and hacking everybody up. Um, and then Harry finds her and the kids. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's like he's out in full machete-wielding force. And it's uh, this, like, this very sort of, like, stark image where Gabriella and these two children are, like, on the floor of this subway train. And he's just, like looming above them yeah, I mean, again covered in blood blood is is dripping <laughs> off of him in regular he parts is of his drenched body. in that yeah, yeah just everything and uh and then thankfully it's the last page of the issue you get uh green and pettybone armed up ready to rock they're going to get on that train. Yeah, they're like blatantly disregarding the mayor's orders. They're going to mm-hmm. hop on the train itself and fight like hell to save these people from Maniac Carry. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to do it. They're going to take the hero route and try to stomp him. And that's why issue three is called All Aboard. Are you going to make, do a little choo-choo noise, please? Toot-toot. Oh. I don't know. Oh, no. I, what, I, I've never heard a train. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what? This is on uh, issue three. Mm-hmm. We open with this like full page of um, Harry in his mask. And we actually saw a little bit in issue two. The back of his head is very lumpy. Like yes. he's disfigured. It is right? very much like a Jason Voorhees okay. like. Uh, or like a leather face. Like there's like obviously Something has happened. Uh, realistically, fire. Fire. Related. Yes. You know that was Jason's deal. You mm-hmm. know, as more and more of those movies went on, he just kept getting burned up <laughs> when he wasn't getting a harpoon in his head. Um, so the issue kicks off. This one kicks off with a little backstory for Zelda. It does. I and mean, it basically tells why all the cops think she's a snitch. Yeah, I think we have uh, like this sort of personal journey. She wants to see justice served. And, yeah, she sees her partner. She's exposed to a very of-the-times event. That's okay. So she sees her partner murder someone in cold blood. He says that he thought the victim had a gun and was getting ready to shoot. And she was like, no, he doesn't. You know he doesn't. And her partner is a white man. White man, and yes. And this is an African-American teen. And I was like, in my notes... (laughs) I had this as a parenthetical, but, like, it's yes. so obvious. It was like, is this trying to say something larger about yes. police? And it's like, it's gotta yes. Be. It's got to be. I mean, but it's so funny, too, because, well, funny is not the right word, but, yes. like, we have someone who is killing innocent folks the same way that Maniac Harry is, right? Like, very sort of indiscriminately and yes. at their own will. And it's like... How are we to? But like, they're in a to, place of power, and, and they're right. Giving and excuses. I think that's the only sort of like point yeah. of distinction that you can make is that they have this system that's backing them up, and mm-hmm. Harry's just like, I got a machete, yeah. you know. And but they're yeah, I don't know. That was my <laughs> parenthetical. I'm glad you agreed with me. Yeah, politics. That's the thing. Even if it, it even if this wasn't intentional, he was like, I just need something to stick in here. <laughs> It, that's what it becomes. Like it's gotta. Yeah. It's gotta be. It's gotta Absolutely. Be. And so she sees that. Um, he tries to cover it up, right? Or or in some sort of lines of like, no, you need to back me up. You're my partner. You need to say that. Yeah. He, he's like he's like you'll you'll back me up, right? And he's mm-hmm. like looking at her. And she's like no. And yeah. then it flashes to now, and she's determined, and she's with Gina, and they're getting on that train, just in time because. <laughs> Um, Gabriella and those two kids are up against the back door of the train that they can't get open, and Maniac Harry's about three feet away. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, pages and pages of him, like, chasing them and sort of, like, plodding down these train cars, and there's mm-hmm. blood and screaming and punches. Yeah, because she she finally gets to where, um, you know, he co- he comes at them, and the train is is squealing to a stop, which means that Gina and Pettybone are about to get on the, the train. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they're holding on, and they were trying to escape, and the boy was afraid to jump. He basically falls out of the train. So she's having to, like, pull the kid back into the train mm-hmm. while Harry, who stumbled because of that, probably stumbled and slipped in blood, he's picking up his knife. It's very it's one of those things where if you were watching this, you'd be like, why are you guys acting like this? Right, right. You should be getting away right now. Yes, but very quickly, we are told that the next station is 86th Street. Mm-hmm. A hairy free zone? Yes, he is. Yes. A, he gets behind them to the point he pulls back for that kill. Mm-hmm. And then he just stops like an automaton, like his batteries ran out. He just freezes. Yeah, and it says um, that the stop is at the um, Museum of Natural, Natural History. History. Yeah, and then the next station is 86th Street. And yep. almost, in this image, it's almost like he gets, like he's less there. Mm, like he's mm-hmm. not necessarily uh, transparent, but it's almost just like the dark shading makes me think of just like his mind is gone. Like he's just okay. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's out, you mm-hmm. know. And and Gabriella looks so confused. Yeah. So she takes the two kids. <laughs> so they start running back through the cars, and look after the door clicks and they're out the car completely. He finishes his swing, which, like, dives deeply into the handrails. Yes. And he's got to, like, jerk his machete out of there. And he, he's freaking out because he doesn't know where they went. Because for him, it's just like, they just disappeared in front of him. Mm-hmm. What happened? Who knows? Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? But I think, you know, um, we have Zelda and Gina are, like... Walking down these train cars, right? Between train cars. Yeah, and they're it's just like taking in all this Everything, carnage. yeah, everything that's around them. But they're also, like, slowly revealing their personal history to each other and sort of, like, their motivations behind why they're doing uh, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, in stark contrast to seeing, like, all of these dead bodies that have piled up around them. And it's like, is this really the place to be doing that? <laughs> But like in all horror <laughs> movies, you've got to stick it in there sometimes. Some, yeah, this is the only place where that backstory could fit. Because you gotta otherwise... You've got to do more things to make people care about the heroes. <laughs> so if they die, you feel real bad about it. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Gabrielle and the kids, they meet up with the task force. And you're like, yeah. And then Gabriella gets gutted. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's so close. Because the train ultimately makes a stop. And there are people who are waiting outside on the platform. And you just sort of see them huddled about, waiting to get on this newly automated train. Again, they don't look very excited about this newly automated train. You no, think there and they, would be they're, more not aware, they're not aware he's on the, pl- on the train at yeah, all. Is, is not they, aware. keeping it secret? Yes. So very unaware that the serial killer waits inside. But I, I do like as it pulls up, though. They see him in there. And then yeah, just, just like scream. this, like this, yeah. this hulking <laughs> shadow, and so at at one point, yeah, Gina fires her gun at Maniac Harry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no damage. We already know that's going to happen. Like yep. guns, no way. Yeah, well, Gina almost shoots Gabriella the first time she pulls yes. the trigger because she's just she's not a cop. She works for the mayor's office. Yes, <laughs> um, and like again, Gina. Is on like th- uh, I should say Gabriella is on the cusp of escaping, mm-hmm. but man, Harry exacts his revenge, and he just hacks the shit out of her. Oh yeah, she's got blood coming out of her it's chest just where like the knife comes the through, chest. squirting out of her mouth, just donezo. Yeah, like, and, like lifting her they're up. They're so close, you know, and I think that's so sort of like typical. Like they're home free, they're safe now, and the kids are mm-hmm. the two children um, that she helped save. But, nope, there she is, blood splattered everywhere. Yeah, so, yeah, she she managed to save the... Well, save the kids as far as she gave them to the task force. Mm-hmm. So, now, on the last page, we've got... Uh, we've got Green. We've got Pettibone. Gabrielle is dead. They've got two kids with them. And Maniac Harry's, once again, like... Three foot away, just ready to keep on going. Ready to go. And Green and Pettibone is hollering at Green, and Green is just, just wide eyed. Like yeah, just, she's yeah. Yeah. Which leads us to issue four, end of the line. End of the line. Which is very ominous. And again, like you're just thinking, like that entire issue sort of just like 
takes place in a train. <laughs> yeah. It's just part of <laughs> him killing people on the train. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, when we... I That's why I was able to go through these first five issues as quickly as I was able to. Normally it takes me, like, mm-hmm. several days, but this took me... An hour, two hours to just like flip through. And, yeah, a, a and lot read of the again. panels are just action. Yeah, it's just stuff. action. Yeah, it's yeah. totally like nonstop. Something is always happening in every panel. And you don't have your main villain monologuing about stuff though. Yes, time. monologuing is something. You're not yeah. His motivation at all. <laughs> its motivation is just he's going to kill people uh, on yeah, a train. I want to kill people. Why? Because he likes doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, into the line it kicks off with a flash. So, the last issue was a flashback giving us some background for Zelda. This one gives us the background for Gina and why she's so hard up. Basically, this is, I, I imagine, what she has in her head when she's seeing him on that train. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's her and Josh, the kid she knew uh, at camp. Uh, they're running from Harry. You know, Jason Voorhees style. They're literally camp counselors running from a masked killer. I was also like, a camp counselor in 2009, ooh. so... Did, did you uh, bully a child till they drowned? Because if so, it's coming back on you later. Children bullied me, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> Learn to stick up for yourself, 19-year-old Delaney. It's fine. And they're, they're running from a Harry, and he's, you know, doing what he does. Um, because it's this assumption, right, that, like... Before that massacre mm-hmm. in uh, Times Square on New Year's Eve, like that wasn't the first time he killed. No, but it's Gina like, it's the, knows. Yeah, the, it, that's the first time that like the public acknowledged that he existed yes. and killed people. Because Gina makes reference that like Josh, her sort of then boyfriend, was actually the first person, yeah, and that was like two thousand nine. Yeah, so like so, you know, a, more than a decade prior, mm-hmm. and this is her hiding. She's hiding away, and he's just hacked her boyfriend up. And he um, opens the door, looks around. She'd snuck out the window and apparently es- just escaped him, like the final girl in, you know, in a, in a horror movie. She, she escaped him. Yeah, and one of the things, uh, at least in, in two panels, it says, For Gina, that night seemed to last forever, and it's still going on now. Mm-hmm. And then we flip the page. And we're immediately back to that train where, you know, Maniac Harry is, like, getting ready to make his his kill. Yeah. And there's no there's no recognition. There's no, <laughs> ooh, I know who you are. Oh, it's come around full circle. Mm-hmm. It's just no piece of meat to him. He does not care. Yeah. He does not care in the slightest. I, and I think... I feel like she would feel better if there if he did do that. But he does not do that. <laughs> no, why would he? I mean, she's not near. She's not. No one is special, right? No, no. Like everyone is just a thing. And if your heart's beating, he's gonna stop it. Yeah. That's it. And again, this like confrontation with Harry, uh, and we have the two women and Harry. It's another sort of sequence that just goes back and forth for mm-hmm. so many pages. And again, action yeah, packed. It, it's both both women opening up pistol shotgun just blasting him away and he just keeps walking towards them he's not slowing down mm-hmm. um they're trying to shut the doors you know they're i mean constantly and with shotguns like we're talking point blank like chunks are coming off his body um and he's just still going so this is a pretty ingenious plan on gina's part yes so pettybone had a um a flask earlier and offered some to Gina. Gina just took it and tucked it into her waistband. So Gina swigs a bunch of booze mm-hmm. and then spits a fireball into Harry's face. Yeah. She uses Zelda's lighter and that flask to make a flamethrower out her of mouth. her mouth. Yes. Yeah. Also, here's the thing. I forgot the word flamethrower. Uh-huh. It just wasn't coming to my mind. So I had to Google fire stream with alcohol that's what i put that w- those yeah. were my search terms yeah and then you could i have said fireball i could uh, it wasn't there oh fire it was just gone. St- fire it, stream was all i could think of. fire stream's good fire stream's good <laughs> but then i went down a rabbit hole of why you should never flame shots and so... Oh, because they can go down your throat and burn your lungs? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just going to read you just a few things. I okay. don't mean to make this extra long. Here we go for everyone. This is your... Um, I guess it would be a public service announcement. Yes. Okay. Safety first. Safety first. Okay. 
we're going to get this out of the way. Mm-hmm. Alcohol, naturally, very flammable. Mm-hmm. So anything that's over 80 proof will light on fire. The higher the proof, the easier it's going to be to ignite. Yes. Okay. So you should never leave a shot burning longer than necessary. It could explode, oh. sending molten glass and liquid fire everywhere. That's no good. Okay, that's terrifying. Or awesome. It depends what it depends what you want out of it. Right. Also, never try to blow out a flaming shot. It will not only not work, uh, there's a good chance that you could blow flaming alcohol onto your friend's face uh-huh. or your friend's curtains. Yes. Uh... Yeah, isn't that terrifying that you just, like, try to blow it out and then it just catches fire and everything burns down? Yes, because it happens because uh, back in, you know, younger days, maybe pre-21, I'm not going to incriminate myself oh on my this podcast. Gosh. But Little baddie over we there. May ha- we may have taken grain alcohol and spit fireballs on the regular. Oh my gosh, and who are you? Yes, we caught ourselves and many things on fire we didn't mean to catch on fire it was not smart i'm just looking my mouth is a game (laughs) also listen to this okay okay don't pour high proof alcohol Mm -hmm. onto an already flaming shot or drink that just seems natural that you wouldn't do that back up the bottle yeah it'll travel off the bottle causing it to explode in your hand Mm mm-hmm and then never, ever drink a shot while it's on fire. Mm-hmm. All of the, I've never had a flaming shot before. Am I missing out? I don't think so. Is it something you can do at home? Mm-hmm. Will you do it tonight? No. I, uh, <laughs> man, I don't know if, uh, I think that counts as arson if you burn your place down with a flaming mm-hmm. shot. So Brenda let's would just, be so mad. Let's just, let's just wait. <laughs> Um, okay, thank you for listening to my safety first PSA. I just want to make sure everyone knows what they're getting into. So Gina Swig's boots blast the fireball in Harry's face. Harry screams his own name. Almost. As, as he leaps from the train, a blazing inferno, mm-hmm. just running his ass off. And then we go back to the mayor's office. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I love that he is on fire and he's just like running down this subway tunnel yeah. into the darkness. And the thing is, this is a big action shot. Like it's a full page shot of her like shooting this fire into Harry's face and mm-hmm. it's multiple. That's the resolution. Like we're towards the end of issue four. That's the end of Harry. Basically that for this. True. For this. Yeah, he does he doesn't return, does he? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Salient point. Thank you. Yeah. I guess I I didn't mi- I did miss it. I mean, it works, but I would think you would save that for the be- maybe even the beginning of issue five. Mm-hmm. So at least there's a. If I, I mean, it'd be odd to come into it on issue five of a story that's ongoing, but if you came into this and just bought the last issue and you read it. Hmm. I feel like it's very much a writing for the trade situation. I see. No connection to the first. Okay. Understandable. So, once again. You wouldn't get any maniac. Yeah, there's no Harry the Maniac or Maniac Harry. (laughs) So, the mayor is once again pissed Mm -hmm. because nothing is going according to plan. And uh, Gina chooses to take responsibility, right? The blame is placed upon her for all the senseless deaths. Yeah, yeah, she, she, she wants to stay with the task force. Mm-hmm. And so as part of that, the mayor's like, okay, you have to tell the press that you were the one who locked up the train. Right. Even though, not the case. But also, the benefit is, is that everyone knows that they, they, the kids, I mean, they set him on fire. They've got closer than anybody else on stopping him. Mm-hmm. So they are heroes. So he can't totally throw them under the bus. Right. Or train, as it were. Uh, Zelda, who has been known as a snitch and given this shitty job, um, she gets a spot. She can be reassigned anywhere she wants. He doesn't care. Screw whatever the cops think about her. She can go wherever she wants. He, just want, he wants her gone. And she's, nope, staying with the Harry Task Force. She's a woman of principle. She has values. Yep. And so Gina, yeah, she has to get up in front of the press, I mean, and fully take take the fall for sealing the train. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And then we cut. I love, I really do love the ending of issue four. Yes. It's so spooky. It is. It's great. <laughs> it adds that paranormal aspect to it, it which really you know does. that it's got to be. I mean, Harry, there's obviously something to him other than being a mortal man. Mm-hmm. And you cut to the Museum of Natural History, the spot where on the train below, Harry froze up. And you see a mysterious amulet with the same red markings as Harry's mask. Right. That gives a little bit of um, sort of contextualization. It says it's a supernatural amulet belonging to the people of the Chui Valley. Um, and that's, I had to look this up just to make sure that it was a real place mm-hmm. in um, Kyrgyzstan. So I'm just letting you know that's where it comes from. And the thing is, is like, like we've talked about these issues with her taking the fall and Zelda choosing to stay with the task force and them showing the amulet. I feel like that could have been the end of the mini. Like that would have been a fine finish. Yeah. I Issue number five. It's it's fine, but it does seem sort of like... It's very much wrap-up. Yeah, and it's like sort of tacked on in a way that like we don't get a whole lot of new information on it, this. Well, I think it, it... Or is it setting up for I, the issues that come after? I, I think it mostly works in the way that we see, even after this, how quickly people just get back to their shit. Right. You know, to, mm-hmm. to show that, oh... It's just back to Harry Watch again or whatever the fuck, you know? Right. Um, I do love the name of it. It is Thoughts and Prayers is issue number five. Mm-hmm. Apt. Uh, that did not help the people on that subway car. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we kick things off with uh, Lena, the girl from the train. We found her name is Lena. Mm-hmm. Um, she's having a nightmare about Harry, which one might do if they witness someone murdering tons of people. Right. She's six years old. She has serious PTSD already. And I really do like that there is this, like, slight shift in perspective to someone who experienced this who wasn't originally part of, like, the the task force, right? Like, and also from such a young age as well, totally different understanding of what was going on and how scary that was. Yeah, and, she, and she's staying with her grandma right now. Mm-hmm. Her brother, for whatever reason, can't stay there. Uh, so she's staying with the grandma. The grandma is addicted to this 24-hour news cycle. And on one of the news channels that you'd expect old people to watch, mm-hmm. she probably also gets hacked on Facebook a lot or posts about not wanting to be hacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and she basically just tells... Uh, like, Gina is on a talk show, and the grandma is just like, Oh, no, she's she's not a hero. She's a bad piece yeah, of shit. I had, like, okay, so she's been brainwashed by this, like, uber-conservative, conspiracy-minded talk show host. And I was like, well, he have to pay $4 million in damages, too? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, like, there's such a disconnect between her own granddaughter's experiences. She who was literally there. Who was literally there, and then what this man is just sort of, like, shilling on Yeah, television. and he's like, he's on, he's on TV, so he knows. Right. And Gina's there. I mean, she's just getting, again, thrown under the bus because she's having to admit to locking the train up, even though she did not do that. Mm-hmm. Um... And then she comes out and, like, there are protesters. Um, Gabriella's mom spits in Gina's face. Like, but this is Gina just taking her lumps so she can continue to get her revenge. It's, it's take take the lumps a thing? Yeah. She's taking her I, lumps. You never heard taking your lumps? I don't know if that's a real phrase. It's a real phrase. Google it. Taking your lumps? Taking your lumps. I'm going to Google it's it like right ta- now. I mean, it's not a phrase that I think people would use a lot nowadays because I think it involves, like, your parents hitting you. Take one's lumps. Suffer punishment, be attacked or defeated. Ugh, that's so nasty. Why is it called lumps, though? Because of the beatings. I don't know. I don't know. It's Another probably, question. It's probably something horrible against the Irish. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know. What does a lady lumps mean? <laughs> Oh, um, those are nod nodules, Gross. various nodules. Get back! To- <laughs> keeping you on task. Back to it. Um, yes. So Zelda, um, Zelda's getting on the other side of things. Like, get um, Gina is getting just the shit into the stick. Mm-hmm. Zelda is getting 
kind of the same thing, maybe worse in this just false praise from all of her peers. Yeah, it's like very passive aggressive. They all feel like they have to be like, oh, you're the hero. We can't say shit about you now. Right. Even though you're, they still think of her as a snitch. Um, and spoiler alert, mm-hmm. the mayor is still wanting that fully automated train. Oh, yeah. He's still he's rallying his <laughs> troops. He's just like, we're going to do it. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think there's this like seriously misguided attempt at returning things to normal. There, there's, and a there's, ma- there's a massive disconnect between yes. the mayor's office and the actual populace. Right. Yeah, like a complete lack of respect for what's actually taken place in his city. Uh, you do get nice little things, though, like uh, Zelda turning down a drink. Mm-hmm. And everyone's surprised, like she's trying to get on the straight and narrow. Right. The question is, is does she quit smoking? Because we didn't talk about it. But when I was reading this, I tell you, I was kind of hoping Gina got macheted. Because she was getting on my nerves every time Zelda lit up a cigarette, constantly harping on this lady. About smoking. Why don't you worry about the mask-wielding serial killer and not Zelda's lungs? She needs a partner who is going to stick around for a while. You know what smoking does? <laughs> Just ets up those lungs. Um, Gina, back in her office, she gets a call from Gardner, the author, of course, who's, who's always... I'm sure he's trying to soften her up and see if he can get her for an interview and get stuff mm-hmm. for his book. But basically, he's like, why'd you take the fall? Because he sees through all this. He sees what happened. He knows what went down. But it's also like this part, too, is just like, why is he included? Like, why did we have to come oh, back to And him? also because he's shady, and he's truly trying to figure out the name for his second book. I know. I just love that it says potential titles next book, and it just has like yes. a list of things crossed and out. And it's like, and like end of the line is crossed out, closing doors, dark of the tunnel, Express to hell, and to hell is marked out, so it's just express. And then at the bottom is the, the death, death train. train. And she's like, please quit calling it a death train. And Elliot Kalen was like... <laughs> He's trying to use these <laughs> phrases to get them into her vernacular yes. when she's on talk shows. Um, and then it flashes again to um, Lena having these nightmares of Harry hacking up. She goes out there to her grandma, who's still watching this fuck on the TV, and um, thankfully, thankfully, Mr. Haggerty, um, he leaves the news broadcast station uh, a complete dickhead. He's got a homeless guy asking for money, and he's just like, eh, fuck off, right? Um, and so this guy's, you're a dick, and he pushes him, and he flips him off, and it's just all this, you know, that. And then... The homeless guy works his way back into the alley. He sees an outline of somebody. He's like, hey, are you going to be like, uh, you know, a tightwad too? Nope. Harry's going to give him every bit of it. I know. Like this, this sort of like, I put hobo murder and then I put, I felt really. Hobo murder works. I felt badly about that. Mm-hmm. But it's not the person that you want to be murdered. Right? No. 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 It's you like want the news guy. And it's this guy. Like, yeah. There for a minute, I was like, is this homeless man maybe Harry? And I was like, no, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't think that's how <laughs> that works. But, yeah, and you just see him, uh, Harry, walk down this alleyway, mm-hmm. sort of dragging his machete with uh, more people out on the street. You know, he's going to do some more damage. Yeah, like he asked Harry. Harry didn't answer, so the guy's walking away from him. He's like, nah, forget it. Leave me alone. And then Harry starts following him. And mm-hmm. then just from the back, like he did Gabriella, just puts that knife through him all the way. Yeah. You get close with his eyeballs, and he just walks away. So so it ends with literally just a dead man on the street that, in this instance, no one is going to care. I mean, no one's going to care about it. Right. It's in an alley, you know. And Harry's walking out. But there are people on the street and looking at their phones or looking, they're doing their own stuff. It's the called is, commentary, Jason. I know. But then the question is, I just want to know, like, <laughs> Does he just go with the flow and nobody cares? Or does he just start swinging at that moment? I guess that's why you have dun, to dun, dun. issue number six. Yeah. And then you get this sweet cover gallery in the mm-hmm. graphic novel, which you would see if you had, you know, picked up the issues single individually. Um, overall, it's an Aftershock book. Aftershock has been put out some really good comics that um, are generally miniseries. And I feel like they are really good for the trade. I'm... I, and, I mean, 
Kalen can argue it. I'm sure he has his own ways of doing it, but it feels like this miniseries was written to be collected. Mm-hmm. Uh, that fifth mm-hmm. issue definitely feels like it's it's you know it's just the end cap to a thing. Um, but it's not necessarily bad. We read the graphic novel. It flowed great. It was fine. Uh, it read very much like a movie. This would fit well within the time span of a film. They wouldn't have to take out a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. It mm-hmm. would be completely fine. Right. Um, and Aftershock, several other stuff. They have a few books that have been optioned, and they you know they push up a lot of good stuff. We are going to be covering more Aftershock titles on Comic Virgin. And this is one of those. It is Maniac of New York. The Death Train. And now my question to you... Mm-hmm. What are we going to use to rate it? I was going to suggest mm-hmm. the supernatural amulet from the people of the Chui Valley. <laughs> That's a lot. No, last week you made me say something about panties that was also very long. Yes. That's so if you just want to do out of five supernatural amulets. I was going to say bloody parkas. Supernatural Amulets works fine. It's my rating system That's this week. Right. So here we go. So, out of five out Supernatural of f- Amulets mm-hmm. that may or may not either produce this killer or stop this killer, hmm. what would you rate it? Oh, you're asking me first. You go first. You go first. You go first. Um, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Three out of five. Mid, I, I enjoyed it. It's not... I would recommend it to somebody. I have recommended it, actually, to several people that have come into the comic shop. We sell a lot of horror comics. Mm -hmm. And this is one that I do recommend to people because it's an easy, quick read, especially people who don't read comics because I feel like it's easy to jump into. Um, The way the um, panels are, it's not super confusing. It's a good, easy read for people. And it's going to be familiar to people who watch a lot of, like, 80s slasher flicks. Yes. For me, as a reader, I'm going to say three out of five. Simply, be- Sometimes because of some of those reasons, I would like a little more. A little more substance in some way. I'm not gotcha. sure why. So. Yeah, I would agree with uh, all of those sentiments. But I would also say because of those, like it made it easier for me yeah, to yeah, jump yeah. into that, that's it. What right? like. you, that, like, I imagine you probably like this. But as a newer comic reader, you probably enjoyed this right, more than it was, I enjoyed it. It's a familiar format that didn't like take too long to get through mm-hmm. um i always love a good connection to the supernatural the paranormal um also big fan of history museums mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know me but yeah if i would if i could cut a supernatural amulet in half and risk not being cursed i think i would give it three and a half three and a half out of five okay. supernatural amulets that's not too bad i mean yeah. that's the thing like and uh, Elliot Kalen does write for TV. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the, a lot of this dialogue and the way that they explain themselves and the way things happen, the way it's paced, is very TV-etic or movie-etic. Like, it, it mm-hmm. definitely works. It flows like that. The art, I do love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, it. It's, yeah, it's uh, um, Andrea yeah, especially- Moody's artwork. I, I love the, the coloring. It, it works together as a whole really well. Yes. A lot of movement, too. Mm -hmm. I think in maybe some of the comics that we've read before where I was expecting a lot of movement and just it wasn't delivered. And I think because this is nonstop action, Mm -hmm. you have an artist who really understands what that looks like and how that functions. And I think you'll see that with a lot of comics that we do as we go. Uh, It seems like a lot of artists that have a looser line style, Mm -hmm. it is easier for them to have like that motion. Yes. And also I do like the fact that that Harry, he moves kind of quick. He's got big wide swings. Like he's not just a slow plotting thing. He's Mm -hmm. just like actively just moving around. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. So that's Maniac of New York, The Death Train. The Death Train. From Aftershock. Maniac Harry, still on the loose. Oh, just no. a little, Just a little charred. Is he going to darken our doorstep anytime soon? A little burned. Who knows? I, I haven't checked the uh, Road Rail and Maniac report. Get on that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's been fun. And if you've had fun listening to this, then you will love Comic Virgin. You want to come back each week whenever we cover a new comic that Delaney Bowers is checking out for her very 
first time. That's right. Um, and we didn't talk about it at the beginning, but Delaney Powers actually does have somewhat of a pedigree outside of comic books. We've She is... <laughs> oh, you don't have to add this in at the end. It's fine. Although, again, my connection to museums. Yes. As an archivist, I'll put it out there. Yes. There we go. <laughs> but where can they find us? Not digging through old boxes... No, and not on subway trains most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find us on Instagram at Comic Virgin Pod on Instagram. And in there, in the bio, you can find a link either for our latest episode or for our link tree, which has all of our stuff on it. Of course, you can listen to this podcast where you're listening to it now. You can continue to do that or other places like Spotify, Apple, um, Podcast Addict, very... Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, chances are Comic Virgin will be listed. I like it. We're never too far. We're never too far. And you know what we do love? We love a good rating. So by all means, please give us a five star. Give us a follow. On Apple, you can write something to us. Feel free. If we suck, write you suck. I mean, still give us five stars. But you can write we suck. It doesn't really matter. Oh, my my skin is so thin. That's true. She's going to read all the comments and then start reacting to them. And I'm going to be like, you can't keep. I can't do it. You can't keep Don't responding as comic virgin to these comments. Because you're getting very personal Who's in what you're saying about the size of their genitals. And it's just a whole You thing. always had to bring it in. Couldn't go a single episode without talking about genitalia. Hey. <laughs> we're wrap all it humans. Up, we're wrap all it humans. Up. We all have genitals. Here we go. We're <laughs> wrapping up. We're going to see you guys later on. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. See ya.